0: The taming of the, of the, the, taming the taming of the Shrew the taming, the taming of the, 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 taming of the Shrew of The, the shrew. Taming of the Shrew The Taming of the play The Taming of the
1: Shrew The Taming of the Shrew The Taming of the Shrew
0: This is a conversation with
1: Paul McNally
0: Beautiful. And what character or characters do you play?
1: I play Hortensio, who also plays Littio, and I play Vincentio, no relation.
0: Beautiful. Um, Would you be able to read your bio for me?
1: Yes. Working with Paul is like a fever dream. You're dancing wildly in a place you've never been. Don't know anyone, but they're all smiling and can hear strange mandolin music wafting around. In short, absolutely magic. A Paul-centric rehearsal highlight for me is his three hysterically funny guesses before conceding defeat and asking for a prompt. The funniest trait of Paul's is the intersection of his comedic, timing and ability to play the mandolin there is nothing as funny as the twang of a well-timed off-key mandolin filling a silence paul's approach to his characters has been delightful to watch each is unique funny in its ways and executed masterfully
0: what what a beautiful buyer
1: <laughs> it's um unbelievable Yep, somebody likes me out here, yeah. in here.
0: How does it make you feel?
1: Um, I think it's fair. I, <laughs> uh, as far as the, the masterful um, uh, execution, that's up for debate. But um, I know where I am. What comes mm-hmm. out is, you know, up for up for judgment. So. Fine, fine. it is just um, extremely flattering and and hilarious and yeah, the fever dream thing is like okay, yeah yeah I get that. I'm, I'm yeah. all over the place. I, I enjoy mean, a certain freedom of stream of consciousness going on.
0: I've just met you and I think uh, fever dream is the most accurate
1: well you know that you get your good fever dreams and your bad fever <laughs> dreams
0: so tell me tell me about your characters I'd like I'd like to know um, I'd like to know how you feel about them uh, maybe we could start by distinguishing the two the two characters
1: mm. um, so they're I've decided that they follow the archetypes um, of the il capitano and il professore. Um, Hortensio is the the braggart who's um, who's supposedly in control of everything, is capable of everything, um, and yet when he's confronted with with um trouble, he's the first to run away, or at least he's not all that. But um, he is extraordinarily uh, obsessed with um. I'm not sure what he would do if he ever got one, but possessing the the women in the play. And yeah. So
0: what would he do? What would he do if he ever? Who knows? Maybe maybe it's the the chase. Maybe the the chase is what he. He craves the the manipulations, the planning. I yeah. have a
1: feeling it's more bragging rights, mm. you know. Yet more things to brag about. Like <laughs> yeah, uh, so
0: um, how do you how do you relate to this character? Are you able to relate to? He, seem, he seems also a, a, a little there's a little bit of cowardice happening. I feel that is um, is masked very well, but um, it's a, it's a feeling that I get from him.
1: It, it's still progressing. Um, I was, yeah, as I go through the lines, sort of new ways suggest themselves to me to do things. But, um, yeah, I think I'm at a, a point where I should be forgetting, well, you know, ideally I'd be forgetting everything that I've done and just be paying attention to what's happening in the moment. Mm. But, um, yeah, I I still tweak and think, oh, no, he could be louder. He could be more brash. He could stand like this. He could, you know, (laughs) be slinging it around sort of thing a bit more. (laughs) He could be more terrified. He could, yeah. So it's. I'm always working on it.
0: Do you think that you're um, quite a cerebral person, an overthinker perhaps?
1: Um, I don't think you can overthink this sort of thing. I think that's part of the game and I think it keeps things fresh if you keep on coming up with more ideas. I mean, it's fun. I mean, you, you would want to suggest to the audience that they should come back again tomorrow <laughs> night to see how we do it this time, to see what changes and see what we've discovered in the, in the process. So um, I did wonder about that, whether I should for the sake of um, my cast brethren, uh, my cast family, um, whether there should be a point where you should stop and be um, consistent and reliable. But um, no, I I don't think that's fun at all.
0: Well, based on your bio, I think they appreciate your um, lack of consistency.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is encouraging.
0: Absolutely. Something that I have really loved watching is this particular moment between you and uh, Peter, you and uh, Grêmio. Grêmio, yeah. Where you're talking over the top of each other. You're saying.
1: Uh, oh, sure. We're bragging about who who is the, the greatest lover of Bianca, who who is entitled, who's going to get her in the end
0: and I find the, the way that the two of you come come at that moment is very different um, I, I find that Peter as uh, gremio is is quite stroppy in that moment and and you're you're not you're quite you seem quite assured you're we're, we're having this argument it's a ridiculous argument and I dismiss you. You know, that's how it comes across to me. Um, it is
1: how Hortensia feels towards Grey He is to be dismissed. And <laughs> I make fun of him in, in every sort of millisecond that I can find, <laughs> sort of either winking at, at Patricio or sort of giving him a blank look or calling him Grey Mio, you know, because he's so much older than me, obviously. <laughs> I love
0: that. I love that. Yeah, so- I decided
1: that pretty early on. So just looking for new ways to do it is part of the game.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So he is a fun character to play. You, you don't have, you don't have any tension that you need to reconcile within yourself in order to play him.
1: Uh, he's awful. <laughs> I mean, aren't they all? <laughs> uh, well, it's a, a play about a whole group of misogynists fighting over fighting over a couple of women. Um, and the ways that they do it, uh, yeah, and their methods of doing so, and yeah, it's it's repellent, really. But um, yeah, I can't be, I can't hate myself as a character and, and sort of keep the the plot going. Of like he thinks he's doing the, right. he thinks that it's a natural and you know a natural thing that he's doing, and he has a right to do it.
0: Does he really believe that he loves Bianca?
1: Um, I think he is, what's the word, infatuated with Bianca? Mm -hmm. I think he honestly is infatuated with Bianca. But um, I think in my own telling of the story, which nobody hears but sort of is what's going on in my mind, is he was originally infatuated with Katharina, but um, that didn't work out because she's so bossy and sort of just like, oh, no, retreat, <laughs> retreat. <laughs> no, I don't. That's, this isn't going to work out. So, yeah, I, I imagine that um, he's actually tried it on and they may even have had um, a thing until it became obvious to one or the other or both at the same time. So Bianca seems like even a second choice. Perhaps, but maybe that's sort of my own values going on because Katharina is um, on the outset a much more interesting person (laughs) to interact with.
0: Well, there is that moment when you're pretending to be someone else, to Mm. um, be a teacher of some sort, and um, you are lamenting to the father of being struck by mm. Catherine and and the way <laughs> the way that you hold your body against the father's to demonstrate that what had happened and and you reach down to grab the the breast and he oh he's very aware of it and <laughs> just it's very funny it's what a brilliant moment
1: but it's uh, a it's one of the more repulsive um, things that sort of he's like. Even right today, like, he is pretending to be a teacher in order to manipulate a young woman. Mm. Um, And he is complaining about being abused for it (laughs) and showing how hurt he has been for being abused or or being found out or even pointed out. And it's like, you know, if you see these in real life when this has happened... Um, locally, it's like, that's awful. Mm. This is really awful, what's going on here. Um, And my idea of the the play is that Shakespeare is showing us awful things and the audience is meant to work it out and we're just playing them as though it's normal and these things do get played out as though it's normal and Mm. I think that's what he's attempting. I think that's the ambition of writing a play like this. I mean, that's not for me to say as to how it's produced, but we are all playing it as though these things are normal and that, that we have a purpose in doing these things. And it is for the audience to go, ah, he's pretending to be a school teacher mm-hmm. to be in charge of, you know, there's a whole abuse of power oh, here that yeah, we're, so, we're laughing oh. about. Oh, and that's
0: that, it's very confronting,
1: isn't it? Mm, and so to to have the audience lost in the moment and enjoy it, and you know, I'm playing it for. I don't think it's funny, but sort of. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to to be serious, but it's ludicrous what he's yes, doing. Yes, and that's why it's funny. And that it, yeah, mm. that the ludicrousness of it makes the humor, mm. rather than sort of, you know, me. You know, saying bum or whatever. You know, it's, mm. and I find that a lot with with characters. you play them and show, and if they are fully invested in their idiotic behaviour, that that's funny.
0: And I, uh, I think, I think too, it's so human. It's so human too. I I can think of times in in my life where I have done something and truly believed that it was the right thing to do um, and and justified and made excuses. And I look back on it and I think, wow, I was a bad person.
1: Oh, sure. <laughs> and it, it just it kind of. Does it get worse with age or gets worse with perspective as you go along and have <laughs> learn more and more and more? And then you look back at what you were like before you learned all of those things and what you did before you learned all this stuff. And it's like, uh, if only I could have had a lifetime of experience when I started out. And it's like, uh, no, that's yeah, not how that works.
0: That's not the point. <laughs> you,
1: but you know, it, it does you do, you know, people who experience you learning and so that's the the regrets that you have I suppose.
0: That's true I I actually that that is very interesting and I think in my own time I will need to think on that for myself the the idea of people experiencing us learning and I do know that I've been having conversations recently in my personal life about um, the idea of emotional debt and what do we What do we owe the people that that experienced us learning that we might have hurt, that we might have
1: sometimes you owe them to leave them the hell alone and never come near them again.
0: I that I am certain of. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So that they can try and forget about it. Yes. And not feel like it might happen again if you're anywhere (laughs) near them.
0: Yeah, because reconciliation is not
1: um, we, Who's benefiting exactly from that?
0: Exactly. It's harming uh, through trying to help. and oh, It's it's a whole mess of things.
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: Just to leave the poor people alone.
1: <laughs> um, something that I've been allowed to do in this production is have Hortensio learn mm. Um, mm. and... Yeah, and it only comes, you know, in the final act, sort of that learning. But I'm very grateful that I'm being, I've uh, been allowed to do that.
0: That the character um, develops.
1: Yeah, or rather, has a, a sudden epiphany, sort of, mm. well, sudden, but sort of, it's it's thrust upon him. It's like, just as the the play is portraying ghastly behaviour to an audience. Um, like giving it to them the final act has has katharina portraying ghastly behavior to everybody sitting at the table and sort Mm -hmm. of they take it on or learn from it or sort of um are enjoying the the performance of it one way or the other but sort of you know you sort of compress the whole thing and here again it's more ambition from Shakespeare. So sort of like, yeah, I'm just going to compress this whole play into a final monologue just to make sure you get it kind of thing. <laughs> and Do I
0: need to smack you in the face with
1: it? Uh, I don't think it's so much that. It's It's very... Uh, uh, you know, it it, it is well, I wouldn't judge it, but that's what he's done or that's how I what I think he's done and you know, the beauty of it. None of it's spelt out. He's not around to say this is what I meant. So you can read
0: Well that final that final monologue from start? Catherine. I, I remember reading it. I have I haven't seen Benny perform it yet, but when I read it it was oh it's It's like a punch to the gut.
1: I've heard it being that there was another performance of um, uh, it being performed in tears and that the whole thing is like there are productions of this play that have been performed more or less as Grand Grignol, sort of it's a, a, a tragedy that you're watching unfold, which when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's what I would do. I would... This is a tragedy. I don't know why anybody's performing this as a comedy. But I think this way it is inviting the audience to think and is inviting the audience to, to have some introspection about it.
0: I do appreciate for myself, uh, yes, that this production is, is running a lot closer, to well, well, very much in a comedic fashion um, because I, I think that if it weren't, it would break my heart.
1: Mm, mm, sure
0: i uh you i've recorded with you the longest and i could keep
1: talking <laughs> to you
0: um but if i do then you'll take over the entire episode
1: yeah you're running out of tape or something
0: yeah something like that but i'll again as i would like to do with aaron uh, a long-form conversation with you in the future. Would make me very happy.
1: Hopefully, I'll get into something else later on.
0: Yeah, we can talk about many, many things. I know you're multi-talented.
1: Well, uh, very ambitious, or just greedy for experience, really. <laughs> oh, I like
0: that. I like that a lot. Thank you so much for recording with me. I'm very grateful. Thank you. This was local with the taming of the shrew treasure chest. Local would not be possible without the incredible community of folks who make time to chat. I'd like to thank Stencil Productions, the cast and crew for welcoming me into their space. Honour the charity performance produced prior to opening night, of which 100% of the evening's profits went to supporting Share the Dignity, an important initiative with the goal to end period poverty and inequality. And finally, the beautiful Peacock Theatre, you were a wonderful building to inhabit for the week. The podcast is produced by Carter Pierce and myself. Our artwork was created by Gigi Gordes. The podcast is funded in part by the Regional Arts Fund. For more information on the podcast and its guests, please go to localthepodcast.com or localthepodcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can watch for Stencil Productions' next work at stencilproductions.com and Stencil Productions on Facebook and Instagram. To support Share the Dignity, please go to sharethedignity.org.au.